This is They Reminisce Over You. I'm Miguel. And I'm Christina. We wanted to take a minute to make a small request of all our listeners. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or Podchaser, leave us a five-star rating. You can also leave a review as well on Apple, Good Pods, and Podchaser. Ratings and reviews will help us with discoverability, and we want to get this out to as many like-minded folks as we can. We want to get on the first page of these podcast apps. And to move up on the charts as well. So help us get the word out. Make sure to follow and interact with us on social media. We're at Troy Podcast on the gram and the bird. Also, check out our website, TroyPodcast.com. It's where we post links to a lot of the things that we mentioned in the show, as well as transcripts and themed playlists that supplement our episodes and more. Thank you again for your support. You ready to get into the show? Let's do it. Hey, we are back with another episode. I am Miguel. And I'm Christina. And we're back, bitches. We are back. <laughs> From our summer hiatus. And two things. Today is my birthday. Whoa, whoa, happy birthday <laughs> to you. Okay, Marilyn. <laughs> <laughs> and also, today, we're going to talk about Mariah Carey, specifically the 25th anniversary of the Butterfly album. So, we'll touch on her overall career, but we're focusing specifically on this album because yep. of the anniversary. Also, if we talked about her entire career, that would be like three hours. Yeah, we don't have that kind of time, and we're not going to put you through that. So, let's just jump right in then. Let's do it. So, before we get into Butterfly, let's talk a little bit about what she was known for pre-Butterfly. Okay. I decided to check out the Billboard charts. As you do. As I do. And I only looked for songs before Butterfly, again, because that's what we're focusing on right now. Right. She had 16 songs in the Billboard Hot 100, and the most popular ones was One Sweet Day, which was number one for 16 weeks, and Fantasy, which was number one for eight weeks. So those were the most highly charted. What other songs do you remember her for from this era? Oh, man. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Let's see if you can name the 16 songs that you think might have been on the Billboard chart. I can't name the 16, <laughs> but the songs that I know, because I never listened to a full Mariah Carey album until we started prepping for this episode. Right. I was going to gasp, but I'm not really shocked. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be shocked because it just wasn't my lane. But I know the hits because mm -hmm. they were so huge. You yes. know, like, she was unavoidable. She was definitely out there <laughs> yeah so it's not like i needed to listen to the albums because mm -hmm. the songs were being played everywhere but vision of love someday i don't want to cry emotions mm -hmm. make it happen hero you know all of that stuff <laughs> yeah all the big ones what i noticed listening to the earlier albums is they were very pop heavy yet at the same time there was a lot of gospel melodies as yeah. well but her voice gave it that R&B yes. feel. She loved a gratuitous run and yeah. hitting those high notes. It was R&B adjacent, but not full on R&B. Like her voice made it R&B. Aside from maybe, let's see, Always Be My Baby, Dream Lover, Fantasy. It kind of feels like, you know, those songs that people who audition for The Voice and uh, like America's Got Talent or whatever. You know how they'll pick like these power ballads? where they could show off their voice and yeah. like battle with each other. 
that's a lot of what her music kind of yeah. sounded like or just really kind of like cutesy mid-tempo pop songs but there was no hiding the depth of her voice though. no not at all because um, i remember just thinking hey this white girl can sing <laughs> Not knowing that she was half black, but... I think I always thought she was something. <laughs> yeah, initially, I just thought she was white. Yeah. Just because we didn't see much of people back in those days. Mm -hmm. So the only thing I would really see is like the album cover or maybe a video. Yeah. But the more I saw her, it was like, yeah, there's something there. Well, I was probably watching more videos of her than you were too. Yeah. Because I think I put her in the same category as like Paula Abdul, where it's like, I know she's not white, but I have no idea what she is. Yeah. <laughs> you thought she was one of them singing white ladies? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> thought she was Tina doing... Marie, Lisa Stansfield. Yeah, I thought she was going down that road. But we're getting off on a tangent We are, there. we are. But it's interesting that we are talking about this, though, because you and I had a conversation, I don't know, yesterday, the day before, when I was telling you how I couldn't quite place what makes a song pop and what makes a song R&B because it's just something that I can hear. Yeah, it's hard to define, mm -hmm. but you know it when you hear it. Yeah, and I think for me, because her first album came out in 1990 when I was still listening to a lot of pop music. So I think her transition, which we'll talk a little bit more once we get to Butterfly, but her sort of transition into getting a little more urban, more R&B, it went in the same direction as my own personal interests. So for me, it was like a natural progression anyways. Yeah. Whereas for like maybe some of her fans from the early albums, it felt maybe more jarring to them. But to me, that was my path too. So right. me and Mariah just kind of went along the same path in terms <laughs> of her making the music and me listening to it. Right. <laughs> well, I, as you know, have been reading her memoir. And from her first album, I believe pretty much half of it was done before she was signed. Oh, so okay. a lot of the songs were on her demo tape. And from what she was saying, they were a lot more what we know Mariah for now. But Tommy Mottola and mm -hmm. what's his name, Walter or whatever. Yeah, I can't. His, they he basically took something like that. <laughs> She said that they basically watered the tracks down mm -hmm. to what they ended up being. Right. So she initially wanted to be a little more, quote unquote, street or urban, but that's not the image of her that they wanted to push. They're like, let's go with adult contemporary. Yeah. <laughs> with a hint of R&B. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's listening to hip hop and R&B and whatnot, but they're pushing pop. And I guess knowing that now, I feel like we could see her trying yeah. to do that. Because, for example, Make It Happen, that's a gospel record. She's talking about being broke, hungry, starving, <laughs> sleeping under bus benches. All right, she didn't go that far, but... She was hungry and alone yeah. with not a penny to her name. So that's a very inspirational song. Like, you can make it, make it happen. So, also, there's got to be a way with the church choir singing right. in the background. So it was there. She kind of had the same issue as Whitney Houston. Yes. Where they come from these backgrounds, mm -hmm. but they're not allowed to be themselves. So the first time where she was able to do the music that she wanted to do, dipping her toes into hip hop a bit, I would say is Dream Lover from yeah. Music Box. I remember watching that video and being like, oh, 
<laughs> right. Because she had all the dancers in her video. She just kept it cute. <laughs> right. And she was in her little Jeep. We know she's not a dancer. <laughs> Everybody's in a Jeep in 1993. <laughs> but she had the dancers doing the butterfly. I remember the whole dance routine because, of course, I was copying everything. And it was just like, okay, this is different. <laughs> yeah, this is not the Mariah we knew. <laughs> but I like it. And it was produced by Dave Hall, who's done stuff for Mary J, Usher, and when Madonna was trying to do a little R&B too. So by her working with a different producer than her usual Walter, Walter A, let's just call him yeah. that, I can't say his last name. It created a different sound. But it wasn't like a huge departure, I think. It's her just sort of rebelling a little bit. Yeah. I don't know how she was able to get it made, <laughs> just from what you've told me about her book. <laughs> Yeah, it was a struggle. And it was just that one song, too. One and, song. And she had to fight for that. But she did manage to squeeze in a little bit more in the next album in Daydream. There was fantasy. Yep. That was the beginning of the end. <laughs> <laughs> for some people. For some people, not for her. <laughs> it was the beginning of the beginning for, for others. <laughs> yeah. But of course, the album version did not have the rap. It did not. And it was produced again by Dave Hall. But now, this is where we learned that there's Mariah Carey, the album cuts. And then there's Mariah Carey, the remix. Right. Which is two different experiences. It, most of it the time. really is. <laughs> I mean, there were always those dance remixes. Like, there's always some club dub. Right. <laughs> yeah, because she had production from CNC Music Factory yes. on these middle albums mm -hmm. as well. I feel like a lot of solo female singers had a lot of dance remixes at the time. Like their singles would always have dance remixes. Yeah. It's kind of a side note because I noticed like Deborah Cox would have them. And right. Like, um, Whitney uh, Houston. Whitney Houston. Yeah. There's always some kind of, I don't know why I always remember it being called dub mix. <laughs> <laughs> but there would always be some something, right? <laughs> something for the clubs. <laughs> Not the ones we were going to. No, it was a different experience <laughs> that I was getting. I wasn't hearing Mariah where I was going. Yeah, so Daydream is where we kind of got a peek into what Butterfly would become. Like I was saying, she had fantasy. Trackmasters finally got to sneak in there a little bit. Jermaine Dupree got to sneak in there a little bit. <laughs> he literally, literally got to had sneak to in. sneak in there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was where we got Always Be My Baby. There's a remix with Trackmasters, actually, for Underneath the Stars, which gives you a complete different experience than the album version. And your favorite One Sweet Day. Yes. Okay. So I never really liked One Sweet Day. It's just too perfectly sweet for me. Okay. <laughs> I see why people like it because it's a sentimental song. It's just talking about loved ones who've passed away. So it's going to mean something to a lot of people. But for me, I find there are certain songs that are just too, too sickly sweet. Yeah, we've mentioned this before that you don't like positivity. No, that's not it. <laughs> I just don't like, I don't know what it is, but like Casey and JoJo's All My Life. Well, see, that's different. <laughs> that's just a bad song. The lyrics are terrible. But you know what I mean? I about get it. songs that are just, they're too, they're too sugary sweet. I don't know how else to describe it. But when I was just going through random singles and stuff on Tidal, I saw that there was a remix called Chucky's Remix. It doesn't say who produced it, but I'm going to assume it was Chucky Thompson because he was doing a lot of stuff. But I like this one so much better because as we were talking about the difference between pop and R&B, this one feels R&B. Like even the way Boys to Men is harmonizing, there's a fuller bass line. If I knew about this version then, I would have definitely listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I will listen to it more now. But yeah, if you've never heard of the Chucky remix of One Sweet Day, I would recommend checking it out. 
this would be a good time to go into Butterfly because yes. As I was saying, Daydream gave her a little taste into what she wanted to do. But by the time Butterfly rolled around, she was going through her divorce with Tommy Mottola. Or yep. as she refers to him, like that guy at the record <laughs> company or something. She won't even say his name. Something like that. I don't remember what she called him and his associates in the book. <laughs> but it was something like prison warden, something <laughs> really funny. Yeah, so now she's like... I'm free to do yeah. what I want. So we finally get to see what Mariah is about. Exactly. So you said you had never listened to a full Mariah Carey album before Butterfly or just in general? Just in general. But you heard Butterfly singles. Yeah. Okay. Just like with all of her mm -hmm. other albums, mm -hmm. I know the songs. I just never listened to them one through Right. Whatever. But all of the songs were going to <laughs> number one and top 10 on the chart. So yeah. I heard them and I knew what they were. I just hadn't listened to an entire album. So the singles that were released from this album was Honey, Butterfly, Breakdown, The Roof, and My All. Three songs have this sort of new, not only is it R&B, but it's hip hop influence. And then two ballads. So Butterfly is a ballad, My All is a ballad, but there is also a remix to My All that's completely different with Jermaine Dupri, Lord Tariq, and Peter Guns. And then the remix of The Roof had the Mob Deep rap, whereas the album didn't. Although, surprisingly, the rap in Breakdown was left on the album. It was. There is another remix called the Mo Thugs remix that has a little bit more Bone Thugs in it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not too much different from the album version. So I'd say about half of the album is still pretty much traditional Mariah Carey. She's still working with her previous producer, Walter A. And then the rest was like Trackmasters, Diddy, uh, Jermaine Dupri and stuff. So even though this was, I guess, her chance to do the music that she wants, she still did choose to stick to some of the more like traditional Mariah Carey yeah. songs. So, and this was probably the last, no, on the next album, mm -hmm. I think they did a couple more songs Yeah, with her and Walter A. But mm -hmm. then after that, they've been right. done ever since. So what did you think about the album since you were more just familiar with the singles? Well, this was in my lane because you had Bone. Right. And... You know, I'm not really too heavy into Mob Deep, but Shook Ones is by far right. their best song. So that was a familiar sample. The remixes of all the singles with Who's Who from the hip hop community right. at the time. Those were all people that I was listening to. So the Brat, Jermaine Dupree, Mason Diddy, The Lot. So I liked those songs. And me not listening to Mariah Carey previously, it's not that I didn't like her, but they just didn't appeal to me in terms of the songs. I thought they were nice, but nothing I would want to listen to. Mm -hmm. But this one, I have no problem listening to The Roof because of the Shook One sample right. or the Honey remix, but that's what I was into. All your fave producers. and Yeah. I feel like this album should have been called The Emancipation of Meaning, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe she needed a little more time to, uh, to <laughs> right. figure out who Mimi was. <laughs> exactly. This was basically her just being free finally. Yeah. Because, again, I'm going to refer to the book, mm -hmm. and I'm sure if you were listening to this and you're a Mariah Carey fan, you've probably either read it or did the audiobook like I did. But it gives you insight into how her life was with Tommy Mottola. And she basically equated it to being in prison. Mm -hmm. And she even called the 20,000 square foot house that she built from the ground up as Sing Sing. <laughs> <laughs> 
And they had another house. And I think the area is called Hillsdale and she called it Hills Jail. <laughs> so this is the kind of life that she was living. Right. And around the time of this album is when she was finally able to get away from him. Yeah, because even the Always Be My Baby song, which means Dupree, the video was filmed at their home studio. Yeah, they filmed the video and recorded the song at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like they literally had to sneak her out or something, right? She tells a story of giving the brat a tour of the house. Mm -hmm. And there were cameras and microphones everywhere because he was listening to her conversations. So there was one place where she knew there were no cameras or microphones and that was in her shoe closet. <laughs> so she took the brat in there and said, hey, you want to go get some French fries? <laughs> <laughs> so... They pretend to go down to the garage so she could, quote unquote, show her the cars. And she says she kept her keys in the ignition in one of the cars and they just jumped in and took off. <laughs> so they went a mile down the road to Burger King to get some French fries and just sit in the parking lot and talk for like an hour. And then the brat starts getting these frantic phone calls from Jermaine Dupree and she says she can hear him yelling. Where the fuck are you guys? Mm. Get back here to this house now. <laughs> They're looking for Mariah and they got guns out. Oh, man. <laughs> and the brat was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Click, hangs up. <laughs> Five minutes later, he calls back screaming again. It's like, I don't think you understand <laughs> that they are pointing guns at me and they want her back here now. I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and she said that with each phone call, she could hear how frantic he was getting. Right. So she was like, you know what? We need to go back because she didn't take her phone with her. Right. And by the time they got back to the house, there were three SUVs loading up with security guys about to go out and look for her. That's crazy. So that's the kind of stuff she was dealing with. Yeah. Jermaine's back at the house being interrogated. Mm -hmm. He didn't even know they were gone mm -hmm. because he was in the studio, apparently, and she just took off. He's in studio with Escape and they're out getting fries. <laughs> <laughs> and he's being held at gunpoint. Right. Demanding that she be brought back. He's like, I didn't even know they were gone. Exactly. <laughs> Knowing what you know about Mariah's background now, because obviously we didn't know any of this stuff. No, not at all. Do you view the Butterfly album differently? I do. And not only because of what she was going through at the time, but now knowing her songwriting process as mm -hmm. well. because. For example, The Roof is about Derek Jeter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was sneaking around with Derek at the time, mm -hmm. and this was like their first time actually hooking up and meeting in person. Right. They met at a party, exchanged numbers, and they're doing this dance for months, texting and sneaking phone calls. And that was the first time that they were able to get away by themselves. Okay. They went onto the roof of his apartment. It was a rainy night. They kissed. <laughs> she sneaks back home. She said as she's driving home, she turns on the radio. Mm -hmm. Shook Ones is playing. She gets home, <laughs> takes a shower. She's laying down. The lyrics start coming to her. Mm -hmm. Shook Ones is still playing in her head. There's the roof. So just knowing things like that helps me have a, a better idea of who she is as an artist. Mm -hmm. Because I, again, wasn't really familiar with her songwriting either. But now knowing how she's putting all of these personal experiences into it, I'm going to go back and listen again to see what else I can pick out. Mm, okay. So did you go through all her previous albums or I anything did. after? I listened to the ones before and I listened to Rainbow and Glitter after. Okay. I haven't gone past that yet. 
All right, so now that you've had time to actually sit with the full album, do you have a favorite song? I do. Actually, there are two, mm-hmm. and it would be obvious, Breakdown and The Roof. Those are my two favorite. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I, I don't think that is a Not surprise. Not 4th of July or whenever Fourth of July you call. was cool. <laughs> those were cool, but no, it's those two. Mm-hmm. Mostly The Roof, though. The one time you uh, like Mob Deep? <laughs> I like Mob Deep in small doses. I can't do full albums, but <laughs> Shook Ones is undeniable. I prefer the one with Mob Deep in it, not the album version. Uh, either one. I'm good with either. Because <laughs> the album version just has them doing the I Got You Stuck Off of right. Realness, but it's more of a background. Yeah. But yeah, I prefer the one with Mob Deep in it. The thing that I do like about Breakdown is... Whether she was doing her pop songs or her more R&B or quote-unquote urban songs, she basically sings the way Mariah sings. Right. But in Breakdown, she actually changed her cadence to sing more in the style of Bone Thugs. So that was interesting. Yeah. I go back and forth with which one I Mm -hmm. think is better, The Roof or Breakdown. But looking at the track listing, you would think that The Beautiful Ones would be my favorite song you are a prince fan but you know i don't like covers you generally don't like covers (laughs) but this is a good cover it is but i we talked about this we had a covers episode we did you broke down why you didn't like this yes i'm not gonna get into it again (laughs) but you can listen to that episode where i discuss why i don't like this version Mm -hmm. of the beautiful ones i like it and i'm looking at my notes right now and it's Supposed to say the beautiful ones featuring Drew Hill, and it's been autocorrected to Dry Hill. <laughs> <laughs> um, dry Hill. I don't want to get off topic too much, but I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before. I think when we were talking about male R&B groups, but for some reason, I just never liked Drew Hill, even though I feel like I should just because of the way they sing. But since Cisco's voice is basically KC 2.0, I could enjoy his voice because okay. it's like, this ain't a Drew Hill song. This is him or Ryan singing a Prince song. Right. So I really like Cisco in this song as well because, I don't know, he's not singing about thong, 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 thong. <laughs> but like, I always like his voice. Yeah. I just don't, don't like, like the Drew songs, songs that yeah. they sing. Yeah. So how did this album fit in with everything else that you were listening to in 1997? I mean, this fit right in just because this was kind of like the height of Bad Boy. You had the Diddy stuff. And I was already listening to like so-so deaf things, Jermaine yeah. Dupree things, Mob Deep. So I was listening to all of this anyways. You also had a theory in one of our episodes. I think it was the... When we did the girl groups. The girl groups. Yeah. Your theory was that Allure, who was signed to Mariah's now defunct record label, which didn't even last that long. It didn't. Um... <laughs> Allure's first album basically sounds like if Mariah Carey was a group. And it was your theory that that was her testing ground? Yeah, to see if it would work. (laughs) To see if the public would take to this type of music coming Mm -hmm. from Mariah Carey. Because you can hear her on background vocals. Yes. And she was writing some of the songs. And this was a way for her to test that this sound will work. Yeah. Because if you listen to what's the song Head Over Heels Mm -hmm. with Nas, it's basically a song from Butterfly. Right. Head Over Heels. And she's in the video. You can hear her in the background. A lot of the songs, there's no question with LL Cool J. It It basically sounds like like four Mariahs. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sure the albums in terms of them being worked on probably overlapped, but Allure's album was released in May of 97. And this was September. September of 97. So they were basically recorded at the same time or around the the same time. The way I came up with that Mm -hmm. theory is 
the way Prince would work whenever he had a new group coming out or he wanted to do some different stuff that was not under the Prince name, he would give Manic Monday over here to the Bengals or he would give Cool to the Time or he would give this song to the family. Mm -hmm. It was all him, but he didn't want to put it out as him. So he could be a little more funky over here. He mm. can be a more, little more pop over here with some Sheena Easton. <laughs> so I figured she was doing the same thing. It's possible, but it's I possible. loved that album. So I was primed for this album. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I was saying the change in her music also coincided with how I was listening to music, I will say that I remember when this album came out, it was still a little bit surprising to me with her sort of like makeover almost. Right. It's kind of like when I saw the video for Dream Lover, I was like, oh, this is different. <laughs> yeah. So there was some like new Mariah Carey just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> new Mariah. <laughs> yeah. But then after that, I mean. The gates were open. The gates were open. She, I mean. <laughs> She used the ain't no fun samples. So yeah. Like you can't get more quote unquote urban. <laughs> she got a song with West Side Connection. <laughs> so. Nori said he had Mariah Carey sitting on crates. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's who she is. Yeah. Like she had this image of being mm -hmm. this perfect pop princess, but everything in her background growing up tells us she was the complete opposite. Same as Whitney Houston. What we were given. And then what we now know them to be, yeah. it was completely different. And I think if we had known what Mariah was really like mm -hmm. early on, her career probably wouldn't have, at least in the pop community, mm -hmm. she wouldn't have been as big as she is now. But we still would have embraced her. That actually kind of leads into another topic that we had wanted to talk about was if we felt that this album changed the public perception of her. And... It's hard for me to gauge because since I was listening to her from the beginning, I don't think I noticed what the quote unquote public was saying. But when I was just doing research for this, I found this website called 1001albumgenerator.com. So basically it comes from this book that lists the 1001 best albums ever or something yeah. like that. And so the website basically generates an album a day that you're supposed to listen to and people leave reviews. <laughs> I was actually pretty um, surprised to see some of these reviews because while I recognized that her sound change, so much of her was also still the same. Like she always sang sultry ballads. Yes. She al always did gratuitous runs. She always hit the high note. So that part didn't really change. It was old dirty bastard and Sean Diddy Combs showing yeah. up to the party. Because one that person, changed. I took a screenshot. One person's review was one out of five, and they said, it's pretty bad. It fits every cheesy 90s stereotype, even the guy in the background. The guy in the background. <laughs> the guy in the background. Whispering MC and break it down. The only redeeming factor is it gave me a laugh. And there were so many comments that were just saying how all the songs sounded the same, which is so not true because half the album is the more R&B urban sound, hip hop sound. And then the other half is still previous Mariah. So like how can you say- My all is on here. Yeah. Like how can you say an album with the roof and my all sounds all the same? Right. And you know how we always joke around about when somebody says something that's not racist, but it sounds racist? Right. There's a lot of coded language in these reviews. <laughs> And the fact that the things that they didn't like about the album is what had existed in her previous albums. Yeah. Leads me to believe 
There's something else they don't like. They just don't want to admit it. Like I said, <laughs> Bone Thug showed up. So, yeah, I definitely think public opinion did change, except for the people who maybe weren't so surprised that real Mariah got to be herself. Right. <laughs> That's the way I looked at it. Mm -hmm. It was like, hey, she's finally out instead of us getting little drops of it here and there. Because you could see that the potential was there, but we just never were able to get all of it out of her. And again, that wasn't her fault. Mm -hmm. That was the husband and head of her record label. <laughs> And that sounds like a real conflict of interest then. Yes. Because how's your husband going to be your boss as well? So you can't win. You're locked up at home and you yes. can't make the music you want to make. And bad he makes combination. you make the music at home too. Yeah. It's a bad combination. <laughs> yeah. Just reading these reviews reminded me of the SNL skit, The Day Beyonce Turned Black. Remember that? <laughs> so SNL, if you haven't seen it or forgot about it they did a little skit about how people reacted after Beyonce performed at the Super Bowl and she did formation and not just the song but she took a more quote-unquote pro-black stance but it's like uh Beyonce's kind of always been black you just didn't <laughs> see it because you didn't want to see it <laughs> so yeah I had to re-watch that skit again just for shits and giggles I was like yeah the day Beyonce and Mariah Carey turned black yeah it's Basically She's the jumping same. Jumping out of airplanes with the locks and <laughs> exactly. certain folks couldn't handle it. <laughs> like, wait a minute. She's black? <laughs> All this time I thought she was Italian. That she was just tan. Yeah, her grandfather was Greek or something. <laughs> so because that is sort of the perception of what I remember Butterfly to be, just because it's always been held up as this is the album where Mariah Carey got to free herself. Right. Re-listening to it from beginning to end, I was actually surprised at how many songs were still sort of pop Mariah. Yeah. And I was like, I thought this whole thing was going to be R&B and hip hop. No, she hasn't <laughs> completely abandoned yeah. the pop stuff. because and she still hasn't. Yeah, because mm -hmm. she's good at it. I'm sure she still enjoys it. Yes. Yeah, so it was a lot less hip-hop than how I remembered it and plus right. I tend to listen to a lot of the remixes as I was saying there's album cuts Mariah Carey and then there's remix Mariah Carey yes which also I almost forgot to mention this album I would say I don't know for sure but didn't this pretty much start the whole like collabs with rappers Pretty much. I mean, there were some people doing the odd songs here and there before, but this there was were, like... There were definitely uh -huh. R&B songs with rappers previously, but a lot of those songs would be edited on the radio. They wouldn't play like the Rakim verse of a Jody Watley right. song or Big Daddy Kane on a mm -hmm. Patti LaBelle song. But this album kind of made it more accepted. And not only that, though, when she made a remix, she made a remix. Yeah. She would re-record vocals. Yep. They wouldn't be the same song with a rap tagged onto it. It would be a new song. Yeah. And she said she prides herself on doing that because she wants it to be a completely different song. It is. <laughs> <laughs> So for you, where does this rank in her discography? Even though you aren't so familiar <laughs> with the discography, but I'm in not. your week or so of listening to Mariah Carey. In the ones that I have heard, <laughs> this is number one on the list. Okay. I'm sure the lambs are going to come after me for saying that. I think and it depends when, when somebody became a lamb. That's true. <laughs> that is true. But I'm going to go with this one. I agree. Emancipation of Mimi is 
my second favorite one, but okay. I think Butterfly will always hold a special place in my heart. <laughs> I respect it. I also just want to mention there is this B-side. I can't remember what is a B-side too. I think it might be Always Be My Baby. Okay. Because I know this was before Butterfly, but there's a B-side called uh, Slipping Away. And this is also one of those unreleased songs, but fan favorites. And it was finally released in her Rarities album that came out a couple of years ago. Okay. That one's another song that was her trying to get a little more R&B because I think that one was also produced by Dave Hall. Okay. But that is also one of my favorite Mariah Carey songs. I will have to check that one out as well. I listen to it all the time. I have a playlist <laughs> called Faves and it's on it. Of course it is. <laughs> All right. Do you have any other thoughts about Butterfly or just Mariah Carey in general? Oh, yeah. You said this is the first time you noticed there's an actual butterfly on the album cover. Yeah, I didn't notice <laughs> that there was a butterfly on the album cover until earlier this week. It's called Butterfly. I know that, but <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a butterfly on the cover because I just saw her. But mm. now I know. Okay. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Will you be listening to more Mariah Carey from now yes. on? Yes. I won't listen to it excessively, <laughs> but I will be listening to more Mariah Carey in the same way that I ended up listening to more Tedra Moses mm -hmm. after listening to you play it all the time <laughs> and then finally listening to it and liking it. Yeah. I will probably end up listening to more Mariah Carey. I will not be part of the Lamely, <laughs> but I will be listening to more Mariah Carey. I would say check out The Emancipation of Mimi then. I know some of those songs. We belong together. Yeah, I know those. <laughs> I know the the hits from that album as well. I but really I like don't know Stephen the Knight. I don't know the album cuts. That's what I need to listen to. And of course, you got to go through the remixes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that goes without saying. Yes. Okay. So, I guess that wraps that up. Yeah. Butterfly 25th anniversary. Also, my birthday. It's your birthday. It's my birthday. The album is a full-grown adult, just like you. <laughs> I'm a little bit older than the album, though. Just a little bit. <laughs> You're 27 now. I'm 27 now. <laughs> okay. Yep. If you don't want yeah, to yeah, take yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't really care if people know how old I am because I know I look young. So <laughs> on that note. All right. So is there anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Well, since it's my birthday. I think if you're feeling generous, feel free to drop a couple coins in our collection plate. Yeah, do that. <laughs> the link is in the show notes. Yeah. Buy us a coffee or, or a taco or something <laughs> like that. A little treat. Yeah. On that note, we're going to get out of here now. Make sure to follow us on social media at Troy Podcast on the bird and the gram. You can check us out at TroyPodcast.com. That's our website where we have links to the things that we talk about in these episodes, transcripts, all that good stuff, all our previous episodes. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, you can follow us individually on social media as well. That's in our show profile. So if you want to follow our personal accounts, you can do that too. Since we update so frequently on our personal accounts. Too. <laughs> well, if people interact, then I will respond. <laughs> That's how that works. That's it. So see you guys in about two weeks and go listen to some Mariah Carey. Bye. Bye.